Oh, I got his ass now. You have to be fast in the track. I hate that guy. This race could change the rest of your life. My bottle got stretched a little bit. I got a tight little butt. I'm about to light this shit up. How about that uh, Rio Olympic gate drop? I just pictured Yelly. You just picture him doing it? Just pictured him doing it. How good is that? I, I, to be honest, I could barely hear the whole intro. I didn't realize you could barely hear it on this end. Yeah. But I could just hear the faintness, and I was just like, I'm just jamming out because I knew exactly how long it was going to take. I know. I was getting hyped for that intro. Good to be back. How good is it to have the studio equipment in front of you? Dude, again? it's nice. It's nice talking to a legit mic again. It's, it's fucking been a while. Like, it like, has been. Like a long while. I realized when we were exchanging the stuff, I was like, yeah, I've had this for a while now. Like, you haven't had got to use it for such a while. I know. It's seriously it's been since August that, I, that I've been to be able to <laughs> use our actual podcast stuff. That's insane. Um, show 75. We've got a special guest, Yelly Van Gorkum, coming on. It's going to be great to talk to Yelly, see how he's doing now with his recovery and getting into his career a bit. He had a really fucking good career. Like, R- really good a career. Like extremely like, good, like we'll, under, we'll, like underrated good career. You know what I mean? Like for some reason, it's not that talked about as much. I feel like as it deserves to be because he accomplished so much. Uh, he really did. I got some cool, cool stats to share later on here. Uh, just a couple tidbits, but man, it's crazy how how dominant he really was. Where when people I don't think really realize how good he was. Sometimes I think he flew under the radar a little bit. He did. It's kind of weird because he had a lot of world cup podiums. He has a world cup win an Olympic silver medal. He's got a world championship silver. I think from Zolder. Yep. Like big, big results. Huge. Big results. Yeah. He, my, huge Dude, I mean, results. He, he was, so he's won a world cup and got a silver medal at each of the worlds and the Olympics. <laughs> Pretty That's savage. Honestly. Yeah. So he's podiumed yeah. that he's been on the, everything you can do basically. That's insane. Hey, he's yeah. done it all. And when a lot of people, when they, when you say his name, they won't, I don't think they always remember all these results that he's had. I don't think it comes to mind for some people. He's just, he's a quiet guy. He's really nice. Kind of flies under the radar. He's not extremely flashy in my mind. Never was. But I will say his style, I loved his style. Very. Cl- we were talking about this yesterday when we were texting about the show, but just very clean kind of in all aspects of his riding. Like if you looked at his gate form, really clean. You looked at him yeah. on the jumps, really clean, good form. You hardly ever saw him make a mistake. His overall average speed around the track was always high. Yeah, 100%. Like I, I would consider his style very fluid. Yeah. I think that'd be a good way to put it. Like out of the gate, fluid, over yeah. the jumps, fluid. And I, I, I think I mentioned too, I kind of feel like it's similar to like that Mikey Day style. He's tall. He's got like a lot of, he's got a lot of limbs to work with. He's got a lot of length to work with. And he, he used it to his advantage, I think. Yeah. And because he was so clean in all his form, in all his technique and stuff around the track from the gate and onwards and everything, even if he wasn't really pulling at a race or didn't feel great, he was still, he could still do well because he could compensate with many different things because he was also really good tactically and stuff. So like, He'd always be he'd always be quietly like in World Cup semis and battling to be in the main and on a lot of podiums. Like he would just you'd be like, "How did Yelly do?" It'd be like, "Oh, he, he got like six in the semi." And the next race, "Oh, he he got fifth or he got second. You know, like he's always there. Yeah. Do I want me to throw the stats at you right yeah, now? Yeah, st- stat me. 
Okay, the quick two quick stats I looked up. I think I counted about 36 World Cup races he raced in, yeah. plus or minus one maybe. Um, only two of those 36 World Cups was he not in a quarterfinal or better. That's good. Really good. That's insane. And then, okay, the next part, 24 of those 36 World Cups, he was in the semifinal or better. That's what I'm saying. He was always there. Always. Like, yeah. The amount of quarterfinals and semi semifinals he was in, like, he honestly, like, it's insane how he was just always there, always in the mix. And I know, like, a lot of people don't think making a semifinal is, like, anything to go home about, but even being in a semifinal it World is. Cup is fucking hard. Like, it's not it, easy at all. You don't get anything for it, but just the fact that you're in that many semis, that's legit because those semis are hard to make. They're not easy to make, even. They don't get enough attention as they should because no. half of the semi, like, most of the semifinals that happen around the World Cup circuit are like they could very easily be a main event on like a different different day. Hundred percent, and you do, you have to do a lot of things right to get in the semifinal. You don't you don't really get in those by mistake either. No, you really don't. You really don't. How many mains was he in out of the thirty six? I should have I should have checked. I could count it. I'll count it, and well, I'll have the stat in a uh, in a next segment when we start talking about him. I'll have it ready. Yeah, I'm gonna guess he's probably in. Probably in a. I bet he was in thirty. Probably in like twelve of them. Probably. And I mean, if you're making if you're making a third of the World Cup mains you're going in, that's that's pretty good. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Looks like about I would say at least eight. Solid. At least eight. It's good. So yeah, really I mean, solid. It's, it's got nothing on my nineteen. Suck it, Yelly. <laughs> <laughs> so he was that was a cheap shot out. He's not even on the show yet. <laughs> so I woke up this morning, obviously in our group chat for the show, and I woke up. I, was, I didn't sleep well. I was so tired, trying to get everything sorted, and he's already taking shots at me. That was. I started laughing. I was like, "He doesn't realize we both just like woke up. We're probably just barely having our coffee, and he's just I like, know like a live chipper and just coming at us." And I was laughing. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Terry's slow this morning, struggling right now, and he's like. He's like, not only this morning, mate, love to be next to you in the gate, free lane. (laughs) Jesus Christ, man. So awesome. I love it. Right before I I hadn't even had a sip of my coffee, was just bumbling around, you know. So he just comes out of left field. You don't expect it, Joe. You're just trying to relax. So I had to get get a cheap shot in before he was even on the show to defend himself. That's good. We're going to have to bring these both out when he's on the show. Yeah. Um, also before he's on the show, we have to give a shout out to our first sponsor of the show. Do you guys heard last time we have LSKD on as a sponsor of coffee chatter for the next few episodes, hopefully more in the future. Um, LSKD is an Australian owned and operated lifestyle brand that provides itself or that prides itself in producing high quality sportswear and streetwear products to get you chasing the vibe. You guys can use C Chatter 10 to get 10% off and get your hands on the men's rep shorts. Uh, they're their most versatile shorts ever with four-way premium stretch, recycled polyester fabric, and inner leg mesh panels. That's a mouthful, T. That is. They're, they're nice, though. If you want to especially want to nice. sh- show off some leg in the gym. They are the MVP of performance shorts. That's what they are. They're such Aussie shorts that just love to show off some quad. I know. And just let me tell you, the hoodie... The hoodie is so nice. Dude, I wore it the last few days. I don't I didn't even want to wash it. I didn't want to put it in the dirty laundry because I wanted to keep wearing it. It was that nice and comfortable. It it is. It's just like it's a nice hoodie. I got mine on right now. Oh, I see that. Yeah, you do. It's so sick. So good. You know how you can tell a good hoodie by the little what are these little things on the end called of the strings? Yeah, little string things, yeah. What are they what's the little piece on the end called? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. We'll call it the nipple. 
the little nipple things. You know what? They got metal nipples on it. You can just tell it's good with that. I know. Seriously, dude. I was at the range the last few days. I was doing a bunch of stuff wearing the hoodie. It's so sick. I got I got compliments on it too. My dad's like, really? oh, nice hoodie. Where'd you get that one? Nice hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. As he as he should though. They're awesome. So excited to have them on board. And hopefully you guys can go get yourself some of these products. Get your hands on those shorts. Um, use the discount code CCHATTER10, all capitals. Also, um, also, we're going to be doing a giveaway about some swag. So here's how it's going to work. First of all, giveaway. Holy shit. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Wait, it was turned down. Yeah, well, oh, no, no, where is it? Anyway, I haven't done the drops in a while. I was on the, I was on the wrong page. There it is. It happens. It happens. All right. So how this, how the giveaway is going to do. So obviously you got to be listening to the show or else you're not going to know what's happening. So you got to take a screenshot of yourself listening to the show, like screenshot of your phone or whatever, post on your story and tag <clears throat> coffee chatter and LSKD. And maybe, maybe we'll say hashtag, you got to post hashtag giveaway on it. Sounds good. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. yeah. So you got to take coffee chatter. You got to tag LSKD and you got to hashtag giveaway and post on your story. Uh, screenshot of you listening to the show. And then we're going to see who oh, will obviously pick a winner from all the people that do that. We'll pick two winners. And you guys are going to win yourself a, a free hat and a towel. Yeah. And the hats are pretty sick. I gave one to my sister in her stocking and she was stoked. She must have been pumped. Yeah. Was, she was pumped. Yeah. It's a nice hat. So you get a nice hat and a towel. And the towel is really nice too, actually. It's soft. I'm thinking about using it for my golf towel. That's what I was thinking like, too. Yeah. It's so good. It'd be perfect. A perfect towel to fit in your track bag or a gym bag or whatever. And just obviously wipe yourself down between reps. You know, when you get all, when you get all sweaty and whatnot during training. Yeah. You know, you got to look good. You got to look good in the gym. It's, you know, you never know who you're going to meet when you're training. You got to look good. Keep you yourself fresh good. with some gear. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, thanks for Alice, Katie coming on board and yeah, this stuff's sick. Awesome. Yeah, thank you guys. Um, right on moving right along, Palm. Oh, my first phone show. That's fine. First show post Christmas. Um, this is going to be our last, I just realized it's going to be our last show of 2020 last show of season two. It is. So, um, this is huge. This is a huge show. I didn't realize how was your Christmas tea? How is it being home with the fam having Sav there now too? How is it? Yeah. Christmas was good. Pretty chill, obviously with, you know, restrictions and whatnot. And we didn't really do much. Just kind of hung out. Um, yeah, not a whole lot to do. Didn't do a whole lot, really. Um, got some dark chocolate, got some other stuff. What did you do? <laughs> Literally the exact same. I just spent my, spent the Christmas with mom and dad, hung out at home, just enjoyed. Just really enjoyed it. It was a quick little time at home because I just flew back down to California now, spending my uh, next while here with, with Lauren and Ryan. So I'm just in their back room. I got to meet Winston. Dude, how's, how's how cool is Winston? He is so soft and so fluffy. He's, he's, like, he's just a teddy bear. He's, he's like a teddy bear. He came in and like said hi to me this morning. It was awesome. I know. He, I think he's grown a lot since uh, I last saw him. He looks pretty big now. I thought so. Yeah. I've never, I was just the first time, but he, they were saying it's like about six months now. He's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty, pretty big. big. He's such a cool dog. So friendly. So good. So friendly. Um, um, I'm jealous you're back in Cali though. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. Thanks. I brought the rain down with me. I was trying to gym yesterday and it was pouring rain all day. Of course. Dude, like we've talked about it up here. When you're away from home, you don't, you're like, Oh, it's not that bad. Dude, the weather fucking sucks here. <laughs> it's so bad. Like it's so bad. Seriously. <laughs> like, like it's not that bad in the sense that it's not that cold. Like it was nine degrees Celsius. So for our Fahrenheit people, it's like 45 or whatever. So it's not that cold. Like you can still go and do stuff, but it's just so damp. If that's the thing. It's I don't just think so damp and cloudy all the time. It's ne you never get dry. The air, like 
that cold temperature when it's that damp is worse than when it's like five degrees and dead dry. It's so much different. It sucks. And I hate it. Like I one sec, one sec. I, I accidentally ripped the cable out of my headphones. I realized that's what I was going to right, keep right. conversation going. <laughs> <Hit> him back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, seriously. So when it's nine degrees and damp, it feels colder than when it's like one and clear. Straight up. It's weird. I don't know how to explain yeah. it to people who don't like have, haven't, you know, been in that, but it's weird. Oh, now you're frozen right on. God, this Wi-Fi sucks. Um, oh, he's back. Oh, okay. It says the internet connection is unstable. Yeah, yeah. We'll work through it. Yeah, that's what we do on this podcast. We work through our jankiness. But anyway, yeah. Enjoy Cali. Phoenix coming up. Going to be a big couple weeks here. And you know, I'm looking forward to tweeting along to Phoenix so I can follow a live stream. Uh, if if McClintock's listening, I need my I need my coffee chatter correspondent to tweet <laughs> to, to tweet along. Yeah, we need that. You need somebody to tweet at and tweet with while you're going with it. And if I can't be there, well, then yeah, you need McClintock in. We need McShit talk. Speaking of Twitter, so I saw yesterday. This news has been brewing for a while. Um, it's not BMX news, but it's pretty big news in sport. Christian Coleman, who's the number one 100-meter sprinter in the world, world champion, um, yeah, number one guy. He's been winning everything, really. Uh, American, so he had three whereabouts failures, and he's banned for two years, so he's not going to be able to go to Tokyo next year, or this coming year. Unreal. Yeah, eh? and he was, like, I mean, a favorite to win the gold medal, like, by far the fastest dude. That's insane. It's insane, yeah. like, you, a guy at this level of athlete is is not keeping up to date on his whereabouts. Like, excuse me, what are you doing, bro? I know. Like, I, it sucks that it's aware, like of all things too, it's, he's not failing a test. It's a whereabouts failure. It's not that hard to keep your whereabouts updated. It's really not. And people, I, I've seen some people like, oh, he gets tested so much. It's like, well, yeah, but like, it's really not that hard to keep your whereabouts updated. You just update it. Yeah, I, I know. We know the app sucked in the past. It yeah, it's, it it does suck, and it's a pain, but and it's the, it's a hassle. But I mean, there's a newer there's a newer app now. And oh, really? It's a lot better. Yeah, it's a lot easier to get signed into. It's a lot easier to just I don't know to me to change things. It's a lot more user friendly on the phone on your iPhone at least. Um, and it's really yeah, you're right. It's not that tough. Just, no. I make sure like my, my hour is ext- extremely early in the morning. So even if I'm half asleep, at least I'm here. Yeah, and like it's pretty understandable to miss a test and then have like one strike. So for, I guess I should b- explain. So you basically, if you get three strikes, which is which basically means like if they come to your house in your hour that you put, you for sure will be home, and you're not there, you get a strike. And if you get three strikes or three missed tests in a year, it's basically an automatic positive, and you are banned for two years. So apparently, so I guess I should start by saying if you get one strike, that can happen. Whatever you forget to do it or blah blah blah. You would think if you get one strike, you're going to be pretty high alert to have it filled out. You would, you would think, right? And then lo and behold, if you get two strikes, I am never closing that app. I have that on my homepage, my main page. I'm getting a notification every day to check that it's updated. Dude, seriously. I'm doing everything. So apparently his first one, I guess I can't remember exactly what they said about the first one, but I, he, he basically, they came and he wasn't the home. So whatever. Mm-hmm. The second one, I guess he didn't submit. So you have to submit your three months in advance of the three months coming up. So if it's like January, February, March, you have to submit it by December 15th or 30th or something. Mm-hmm. So basically he was late on that. So he got another strike. And then the third strike was like being in December apparently. And he said he went out to Christmas shop. The last minute Christmas shopping. It just sounds so stupid saying it. He went out for <laughs> last minute Christmas up. shopping for his mom and sister and missed his test. So like how stu- first of honestly all, straight up how stupid can you be for the third test 
I don't understand. Okay, let's. So the first one, you miss it. Okay, it happens. Whatever. The second one, you get. They normally notify you a month in advance to update your whereabouts for the next quarter. And I know personally, we it might be different for other places, but we get an email every week. Dude, it's so easy. It's so say, easy like, to update, update it. Update it. Update it. Yeah. And personally, I just go and update like. I put the same thing in for every, yeah, yeah. Yeah, every yeah. week and then you just update it as long as you go. So it's really easy. Yeah. And then, so then for him to miss that one, it's like, oh, what are you doing? And then the Christmas shopping, why, why do you have your alarm or your, your hour set when you could possibly be out shopping? It's ridiculous. And like, <laughs> why you are you, you, you know, you have two strikes. You need to be on a razor's edge. And like have that hour set when you are sleeping, so you are there at all times. So in my in my opinion, my opinion is pretty irresponsible, and I mean you just suffer the consequences of that. And yeah, it is strict, but at the same time, every single athlete has to do it, and it's there for a reason. Because if you don't, if people might think looking on the outside, oh, it's kind of ridiculous to be banned for two years from that, and it's like, well, it is strict, but at the same time, it's there so people don't miss tests on purpose if they're hot trying to hide something, basically. No, exactly. As much as it does suck, like you're right, it's there for a reason. Everybody has to do it. It's part of it. Like that's it's a known consequence. It's not just like it's an unknown thing that if you get three strikes, you're not going to get banned. It's known, unfortunately. So yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, it's pretty irresponsible of him not to do that. I think some people are on the are saying basically like he gets tested a lot. It seems really strict, blah blah. And now nah, I think it's I think it's, I think that's crap. And I mean, every athlete has to do it. I was on it for 10 years. I mean, every athlete has to do it. Yeah. I've heard stuff too about like people saying like, oh, people can like um, be on drugs and they get off them and pass a test. So why would he even try to skip a test and blah, blah, blah. Well, okay. Now I lost my train of thought, but it's just like, I don't know. Like these people don't understand. Like it's not that difficult. Like just everyone does it. It's really not. It's it's not that difficult. You just, you just update it. I know. And Yeah. Unfortunately, like I've got to say, we've seen it in BMX, unfortunately, too. Like it's happened in BMX. Um, so you hate to see it, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's a, and the rules are rules. Yeah. And they pretty much give you every opportunity to not get a strike from my, from my experience. Like I've, I missed a test before and then they came like a few days later and I was home and they tested me. So I didn't get a strike as well as one time I s- thought I submitted my three months except I forgot, I filled it all up, but I forgot to hit submit. And so they, I guess they didn't get it obviously. And they messaged me back and said, you're basically getting a strike because you didn't submit your three months. And then I took a screenshot of everything I'd filled out and explained what happened and they didn't give me a strike. So they'll work with you a little and chance. And usually too, like if the people come, they'll try and come again before they give you a strike. So it's not just like, it's not as cutthroat as it sounds. Like they really do work with you and they don't want to give you a strike. They, they actually give you the benefit of the doubt. So you kind of have to go out of your way or be pretty stupid, <laughs> honestly, to, for this to happen. You kind of do that. The three months, like you're submitting your quarterly update by this. I watched the video and by the sounds of it, he got like the quarterly update. He got notified that it was a strike on like halfway through April and it's supposed to be submitted by the end of March, which means the half the month, like half that month, like you knew you needed to have it done and it wasn't even done. So yeah. So what, what are you doing? I don't really feel to be honest, I don't really feel bad for him. I think he was, it's your, it was just irresponsible on his part. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have to agree. It's as sucky as some people might think it sounds what we signed up for is being athletes. Yeah, exactly. So, so. go Andre de Grasse, baby. Bring go. gold back to Canada. <laughs> yeah, baby. 
All aboard the DeGrasse train. And I hope he wins, honestly. I hope he does too. That'd be so sick. He's such a good like athlete figure in Canada and he's just like, yeah, he's so fast. Yeah. So BMX just fill all your whereabouts. Don't be dumb. <clears throat> yeah, if this is your reminder, go fill out your whereabouts. Yeah. <laughs> in other Olympic news, weekly golf checking. How about golf having five Olympic medals? Yeah, I need to I need to hear about this. How does it have five <laughs> So I don't know if it's starting in Tokyo or the next ones. I would assume probably the next ones because Okay. I don't know. Yeah. But I saw so there's gonna be a men's and a women's, obviously, so that's two. So I guess okay. BMX has two. And then there's a men's team, a women's team, and then a combined team medal. So part of me is like, right on golf. And then the other, the other part of me is like, whoa, whoa, let's, let's hold on a second here. (laughs) Let's hold on a second here. How does, how does golf have five and BMX has just one in each class? Are you kidding me? That's insane. (laughs) That's a joke. It's fucking stupid. Like if they can think of these team matches, why can't we think of team events? It's a joke is what it is. It's so stupid. BMX, BMX should have, BMX should have a time trial medal. We need at least a time trial. Medal. Yeah, there should be a time trial medal in men's and women's, and then racing men's and women's. We should have two. We should have two chances at a medal like that. I hundred percent agree. It's dumb, and like <laughs> I'm not hating on the fact that golf has five because I love. We love golf. I love more opportunity to see cool golf matches go down. All for it. But it's the fact that they have five and we only have the two. That's bullshit. And they like they make the. It seems like it's so difficult to make something in a, a medal event at the Olympics, but then all of a sudden they just hand golf all these all these Olympic medal chances, and they make not only a team one, which is like okay, you could make a team one. They didn't make a combined team one. Like what the fuck? You just it's like you just created that medal out of nothing. Like what? Yeah, like what is that all about? They didn't have that. Like the team events, like male and female team events, they have that in golf. It's a thing. I yeah, guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Yeah. But there is no event around the world that's a male and female team. It just event, seems ridiculous. They just all of a sudden just like they just, oh, fuck it. We'll just throw a fifth medal. Like, just here you go. We'll just casually toss this one in there. Have at her, guys. Here's a yeah, game. it seems so stupid, honestly. I don't get it. No, I don't get it. And it's like, is that just going to be the same people playing for all those medals? Yeah. Probably going to be the same guys that are doing individual play the team. And the same people that play the team are going to play the combined team. Yeah, I don't even think it changes anything for the way they play. I think, th- yeah, it's just like, yeah, basically they, they compete for an individual medal and then they just kind of add the scores up at the end. They might win a team medal and might win an overall. So all of a sudden you might be like, oh, sick, <laughs> three-time medalist. Yeah, <laughs> it just seems very, very, it seems like a bit of a clown show, to be honest. It kind of does. It kind of does look clown show. It sucks when it's like you, we start talking about the amount of medals that other sports can get because you look at these damn swim events they have like four different strokes and like 10 different like lengths. I know they do. it's insane how many op- opportunities they have. And it's ridiculous that we only have one, one yeah. you can win. Yeah. It's time trial for sure. Like time, a legit BMX time trial medal would be really exciting to watch. I totally agree. Like, yeah. I enjoy watching the top guys go at it in a fastest lap. It's exciting to watch to me. And I think other people enjoy watching it too. And I think that's why Johan and the UCI originally brought in, time trial to world cups or one of the reasons because they wanted they tried to make i think they tried pretty hard to make it a medal event and they just didn't which is such a joke to be honest that it, that, it, that it couldn't have been yeah like i would love to know the restrictions they had and what they got told because to me it seemed like an awesome event to have pretty easy to run yes it's a little bit time consuming but what does that matter like tell me uh, there's other sports that are just time consuming like yeah, we already do the time trial and it's just like it just seems so willy nilly. It seems like they make such a big deal about making something a medal and then they just or medal event and then they just throw it at something else like they can do whatever they want. 
that is the stupid part. They yeah. already do the time trial. Yeah, and it's not already like, do. and they can just make it a metal event. It's not that hard. No, you just say, here, we're going for a metal event. <laughs> it's like they just throw metal <laughs> events at other sports out of, out of thin air. So, I mean, just make ours. We're literally already doing it. We're already. You literally just have to say it's a medal event and provide the medals. That's literally all you have to do. And instead, instead, you know, no, no, screw it. Make yeah, give golf a sixth and seventh. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Next, you know, next you're going to be having a par five medal, a par three. Dude, seriously. What 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 are we doing here, people? What are we doing here? What are we doing? (laughs) What are we doing? Lock it up. They don't need golf. Doesn't need another one. Stop. I rarely say anything bad against golf, but just stop. You, they need to cut it out. That's brutal, man. Yeah, that's oh a joke. It's a, that's a joke. That's yeah. It's frustrating to hear. It's frustrating to hear when we have always been wanting more medals, and the fact that the Olympic or the time trials now went away in the World Champs, they don't have a medal in the Olympics. It's just like we have these opportunities for cool events, and we're not doing it. I know, and it is that is pretty frustrating to be honest. Yeah. Well, anyway, back back to BMX. Who do you think should be the the YouTuber of the year in BMX? YouTube video. So I just saw Nick posted his 2020 recap video. We don't have our chatter awards. I figured we could debate a little bit who can be the YouTuber of the year because we got some people in BMX who make pretty consistent and pretty good YouTube videos, I'd say. Dude, Nick is a fucking YouTube powerhouse. 100% him. Unfortunately, I don't understand. Like, I do understand, but like, he gets some insane amount of views on his videos. Dude, he's, he's, he's legit huge on YouTube. It's insane. Like I'm talking like hundreds of thousands. He's probably got a few videos at a million. I yeah, I think he does. Yeah. Um, I think it's, but the thing is BMX is so cool to watch. Like he's going to, and he makes such good videos and he does such a good job. And obviously he's a big name, like obviously in our sport. And so it's no question that he's going to pull from, from outside the BMX world. I would, yeah, I would agree. He's got to, he's got a big following and he's like, like I'm, <laughs> So the people I've written down for the for the YouTubers that are like who I thought of were Neek, Jay, Justin, Jay Smooth, Big Q, Yoshi. Those guys are all putting out videos pretty consistently. Like I just watched Neek's the, the editing job, man. He could be a filmer. Like it's, yeah. it's insane. So speaking of which, we need we need to start doing cool videos on Chatter YouTube. I was watching watching Barstools. I was watching Spit and Chicklets and Four Foreplay Pod and stuff. They do such cool videos. We need we need to we need to ramp it up. We're just you know what the problem is. We actually haven't physically been in the same place since like the summer. Tell me about it. I've thought about this too. I'm like, why don't we make more videos? But we haven't had opportunities. No, dude, like we talk literally every day <laughs> and we do this every week and whatever. We literally yeah. haven't seen each other. Oh, I guess we saw each other once in Cali one evening. We did it when you did the Grands Preview show. Yeah. But, but literally evening. that's like the one time we saw each other since the summer. Saw you the one evening there. I handed you the podcast equipment, so that was five minutes of our time. We haven't been able to see each other since. How are we supposed to make videos when Which we're not together? Is a shocking stat. It is insane. <laughs> that, <laughs> that may be the biggest shocking stat. I just realized we haven't hardly seen each other since the summer in person. I laughed with the fact that you <clears throat> just left Cali. You were down there for three months. Left Cali, came home. Sav came to join you, and I then now came here, and I'm going to be here for a few months. We just we just swapped. I know. Like if we're actually in the same place, we could do some cool stuff for the track, and we will. And I'll actually, I think we could brainstorm some cool ideas for the our YouTube channel. But yep. yeah, we just we we can't right now. I uh, I brought the golf ball mic down with me. I got it ready for to do stuff if we can and if we need. But yeah. No, no. We need we need some cool videos. We need to get you on the bike and get this gate gate start working. I know we, re- we really do. <laughs> we really <laughs> that would do. Be all time. Um, uh, be all, all right, time. Be- before we get into Yelly, 
or what's your first racing memory? What's your first memory of Yelly that comes to mind? I think of him at Chula going under Nick Long in the semifinal and then trying to do it in the main event again. Oh, that's, that's, I think of when I think. that semifinal was so sick. It was so good. He had that first turn on lock and like watching the video of how low he went and the fact that he didn't slide out in the semi was insane. Yeah, he was so good. Won the semi and then, um, yeah, crashed in the main. But, yeah, he was good. Legit He was good. good. Yeah. 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 What about you? Uh, it would have been, it would like the photo I posted or I posted, I guess a bunch of us this week, but the first one of we're on the podium for 13, 14 cruiser. So he, I was 13, he was 14 in Paris and we raced each other. He was like literally twice my size and he won and I got third. That's probably my first memory of me and Yelly. Yeah. And dude, he picked me up at finish line, gave me a hug and just picked me up like I was a little child. (laughs) Like he just gave me a hug at the finish line, obviously, because we were both stoked and uh, just picked me up like I was a little child. (laughs) that's hilarious i know i saw the photo i saw the photo i was like okay first of all terry's 14 here he probably looks 11 or 12 i was 13 but yeah like he's like yelly looks like he's like 17 or 18 dude yeah someone's got a birth guys was insane we need a birth check on both of us there because i look like i'm 10 (laughs) and he looks like he's 18 (laughs) (laughs) oh that was epic that was so funny i know i know that was yeah probably the first first memory of yelly yeah that's cool um Speaking of Yelly and his and his great gate he had T. Yeah, great start. Won a lot on uh, Pro Gate Europe. Big he was a big Pro Gate Europe guy. Winning starts. He knew, did a lot of He knew winning starts of the Great Gate and he was a big Pro Gate Europe guy. Hey, well, I feel like he was a big Pro Gate Europe because he really had some dialed gates on his Pro Gate Europe. He really did. I watched some videos of him. I was telling you to you. I often watch there's a couple of videos Robert has from training camps with the Dutch team that I watch with of his gates and Man, he popped them off on that ProGate Europe. He yeah, he so did. Quick. Won a lot of your rounds on ProGate Europe too. So yeah. he knew he knew what gate to get out there. He, he knew the best one out there. He knew what he was doing. He knew. He, there isn't no. You don't just fluke into twenty four semifinal or better. Okay. No, he got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> got lucky every time. Every, he got lucky on that ProGate every time. Every um. Time. Yeah. Let's, let's get into uh, let's get into chat some yelling. Let's do it. We got Yella Van Gorkum, number 37, fucking Dutch legend, Olympic silver medalist, world champion silver medalist, World Cup winner, many World Cup podiums, many European rounds he won. What an intro, Yelly. What an intro. How's it going, buddy? I'm good. You guys? Good. Good to see you again, buddy. It's been a while. It's been a while, yeah. I was... Yeah, no kidding. How you doing? I'm doing good. You? Oh, you know, pretty good. How's, uh, How's your Christmas? Christmas was different. It was pretty boring because we couldn't see any family and stuff. Yeah. The same with so us. That, that was a big bummer, but it is what it is, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, how's the weather in Holland right now? Is it cold? Any snow? No snow yet, but it's really cold. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we were just talking before you came on. The weather here sucks. Does it? Yeah. It's cloudy and rainy and shit. It's so wet all the time. You guys have had more of that dry cold, I feel like. Because I remember back in the day, I, we were talking about some videos too. I remember some of the Dutch guys did a video of them riding like when it was snowing or icy or something. In Vancouver, we are, we're too wet for that. We can't do that. Right now, it's pretty wet here as well. But it, it's about to get snowy soon, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Um, what have you been up to lately? Um, not much, really. Yeah, I've, how's that? How's I think a lot of people, like us included, where 
we're interested in how your recovery has been going. So how's your, how's your recovery been going and how are you feeling these days? That's one of the weirdest questions I get daily. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> well, it's going, but at a certain point you reach that you're um, not really making any progression anymore. Yeah. And I think that I reached that point. So I'm, I'm pretty stuck from where, where I am right now. And I just, I just need to find a way to get my stuff going. Yeah. So I get my daily rhythm sort of, and I just do what I do. And I still try to uh, rehab as good as possible. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I think, uh, yeah, I think people will be excited to hear that. Yeah. Um, and you started, I remember, I think we were talking, I think we were texting like maybe last year, but you started your foundation last year, right? Well, I started it already when I was still racing BMX, but um, okay. since, since uh, last year it made a name switch, yes. Yeah, how's, uh, how's your foundation been going? Well, it's, it's still um, pretty um, in the early stages. Like it is getting some shape right now, but it's still not really um, finished yet. Yeah, I think it's been awesome you've been doing that. I think uh, you see a lot of athletes in other sports um, yeah. create foundations or do that kind of stuff. So I think it's I think it's awesome you're doing that. True. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead, James. I was going to say, well, I want to work into the BMX stuff. Yeah, before you came on, we were just talking a little bit about your style when you race and like, you, I, I kind of equated it being very similar to the Mike Day style. You're really smooth and fluid on the bike. And I want to know kind of where, where you think you got that from. Was, was there something you looked up to that had the smooth style or was it just something kind of you just developed on your own? <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> well, it is something that people kind of compare you to Mikey Day, right? Yeah, being being a taller rider as yourself and being him taller, I think that's why I've always kind of seen similarities. Oh, that's only why, right? Well, I, I'm telling you, you guys had the style, the similar <laughs> style, but you guys are both tall, so that's where I'm sure it comes from. I don't know. Okay. Now you're putting Got me on the spot. Come on. <laughs> Got it. Well, um, the guys that I kind of grew up with while I was racing back in the day, you probably don't know them, so it's not really making sense to uh, call them by name. I really, I really liked um, growing up um, the writing style of Thomas Aye. Yeah. Which is, I think, um, kind of like Mike Day. Mm -hmm. And I really loved him. I've loved seeing him winning races. Mm. And um, I think I tried to copy that in my um, early junior days. Yeah. So I guess circling back a bit, how'd you get into BMX in Holland when you were young? How, how old were you when you started? Well, um, I started riding a bike when I was like three years old. And I grew up in a neighborhood where everybody was kind of like riding a bike. So it would make, it wouldn't make any sense to not be on a bike. So as soon as I um, kind of understand this, that I was able to ride, I jumped on a bike and um, that was about 
when I was three years old. And um, I think, um, well, because of the, the neighborhood I grew up in, there were uh, two or three guys living really close to me who were riding BMX. So they kind of got me into it. And on the first hand, it started really small, like uh, building your own jumps in the street. And then uh, when you became a little bit bigger, they went, they made bigger as well. And then um, I think in about uh, a couple months time, let's say two or three months time, um, these guys kind of like invited me to uh, go visit the local club. And remember, I was three years old, eh? Yeah. So I was like uh, three and a half when I first got to be mixed track and never left the place. That's sick. That's awesome. You started so young. Hard, huh? Yeah, that's cool. Super cool. And so you start obviously racing in Europe and then you won the you won the world championships a lot as an amateur too. Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but I won it a couple times, yeah. <laughs> How many times? Three? Um, with two bikes in total about uh, five times. Yeah, I would I would consider that quite a lot, yeah. I, I consider <laughs> that a lot, yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> and then obviously, yeah, uh, going through amateur, you went through amateur, won a lot, and then, um, yeah, you obviously turned junior as well. What did you think about, I guess you didn't start with the Dutch team when you were junior, right? No, I think I started um, when I was first year's elite, so that must be in 2010. That's when I got into the national team. So from my first year as elite rider, I joined the national team. Yeah, I remember us when we were junior and we were racing World Cups. <laughs> True. <laughs> Uh, I'm still mad about checking. when I'm still mad about when you pimped me in the second corner in Chula Vista in the quarter in 2009. <laughs> uh, 2009. Oh, I was in. I was still in group back then. <laughs> yeah, just a couple of young bucks. True. Young bucks having fun. Yeah, exactly. I remember like when we were junior and stuff. Those World Cups they were so special because we didn't really have many expectations. Just kind of went in and went for it, and it was just cool. Exactly. It was just such a cool feeling just to race the elite guys. I agree. And then you get older and it just gets annoying because you got all these young bucks that are just coming after you all the time. Not the same. Not the same. Then you got a, a couple of young Canadian guys named James Palmer and stuff that kind of <laughs> jump up into the classes and they try, try to beat you. Just, those guys just suck. Yeah, I they tell suck. you. <laughs> what was it like? Uh, I'm sure you looked uh, up. I'm sure it you was crazy. So I, we, I, Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Jim. Go ahead. I think we're delayed. I was just going to say, just even for, I know, I, I've realized I'm a little <laughs> yeah, delayed. Yeah. That's just one of those things. Um, Low network. No, like I was just looking, like even, for, yeah, it's, it's not good over here. It's, <laughs> it's a janky podcast, but we like to run with it a little bit. <laughs> um, I wanted to know, like, obviously we'll get into kind of some racing stuff, but like joining the Dutch team when you did turn elite, were you still feeling like you were kind of one of those young guys that was kind of maybe more, a little bit intimidated to be on the team with these older guys or how was it joining the team at that age? Absolutely. That kind of cost me something like um, almost two years to really mm. uh, understand and commit myself that I actually was part of the team. 
Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure, like, because I feel like even at that time, was the Dutch team has always been so well established. I feel like it could be yeah, as a younger rider, as you just said, like it is. It would be intimidating to join. Um, well, to be honest, I kind of when I started joining the team, I was actually just looking up against those riders that mm-hmm. I was now teammates with. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, because you guys have always had such good pros. I bet you looked up to the team, and then all of a sudden you're on the team, and it's like, holy shit, I'm with these guys. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How how did you manage that the first couple of years? Um, well, um, I just, um, as you know, I just tried to be as I am. So I just tried to to try to stay laid back. Mm-hmm. And not expecting um, so much from myself, and I just kind of gave it some time to adapt to my new situation. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was gonna cost me maybe two or three years to really be one of the top guys in the league class. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say I would give my. I would give myself some time to adapt. And I think that this is the um, the most um, specific thing to do and to um, give yourself some time to make sure you're one of the, one of the top guys later. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it because I'm sure, it's, yeah, like I said, it's not easy to join a join a team like that. No, a, lot of, a lot of people obviously too probably want to jump in there and just be one of the guys right away and you're right it takes time like you can't just rush into that spot it's something that takes time you need to understand how it works and work your way into you it want, you want to of course but it's, it doesn't work like that yeah yeah how was it uh switching training and working with bass did you like working with bass like initially and everything i definitely liked working with with bass but um it was a big switch for me. Yeah. yeah. What was that? What was the biggest thing you had to get used to? Well, the daily structure rhythm mm-hmm. was one thing. And um, of course, boss was always there for the riders. And I wasn't used to that. So I needed to get used to that in the first hand. And then in the second hand, second hand, boss was really strict with things, mm-hmm. which was good. And we needed it back at, at that time, but I wasn't used to it. So it took me some time to get used to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah it'd, be, it'd be tough to get used to a super strict team environment after you'd probably been doing more of your own thing before that and had more independence. Yeah. True. It kind of that style that Bass had. I've always kind of gone back and forth with like how well it worked versus if it, the team was too, too strict or anything, and uh, if people got kind of annoyed with it and kind of just lost some love for it. But it never seemed to be the case with you guys on the Dutch team. How is it for you? Like, do, if you could have a coach that was more strict like him, or have somebody that's very lackadaisical, would you take somebody like Bass who's more strict? I think. As far as I grew up with Bass and his way of working, I think I would go for that style, yeah. Mm. Okay. 
when you're on the team, did you ever, I know you you did race some, you guys came over and raced some in the States and you did as well when you were junior, you came and stayed in California and stuff, but did you ever want to come and race a full season over here or anything like that? Well, that was actually the plan for after 2018, but then I had my accident. So mm. yeah, it was definitely a plan, but it yeah. never came to that point really. Yeah. Cause I know a, a lot of guys from Europe have, have thought, have thought about doing that and wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad it's not easier easier for yeah Europeans to stay over in the U.S. as much and go after that title because I feel like in the past there was more Europeans that were going after it and lately it hasn't seemed as possible to, for that to happen. I agree. Did, yeah. did you like racing in the U.S. compared to Europe, or how'd you? Because obviously that we've talked about it on the show, but they're pretty they're pretty different the styles. What'd you What'd you think of racing in Europe compared to the U.S.? Well. Um, the way I look at it is that racing in the U.S. is way more um, laid back and relaxed than here in the in Europe. Interesting, yeah. In in what way? Here, here the people are way more stressed than in the U.S. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, really. Especially the French guys. What do you think of? Uh, <laughs> what do you prefer? Like obviously the U, like the for instance the structure on the race day in the U.S. You typically have a long time between motos. In Europe, it's pretty bang bang bang. What do you What do you think of those? Um, in that case, I would say I like the European style more. Yeah. I think there's a happy medium. I think, I think the, I think in in Europe, the the breaks are way too short and in the U S the breaks are way too long. Yeah. But that is stuff you get used to if you're doing it a couple of years afterwards. But dude, remember the European round in Bay Saint-Saëns? Were you there? The one in France? Oh yeah. Dude, that was, that was way too short. It was (laughs) like, like we're talking way too short. Really way too short. Yeah. Track was way too long and the brakes were way too short. People were fucking dying. Way too long. Yeah, myself included. <laughs> you need to be hitting that road bike like they were. They were fine. They are all road bikers. Dude, it is, <laughs> it is. It's true though. Like you do get used to it, of course. And like when you at the race, no matter how tired you hey, are, you can luck. usually go for it. Yeah. Talk to the fans about your road bike experience with us. Dude, I do tell, yeah, yeah. I like, I like the story. Okay, I had, a te- I, had a te- I had a very terrible first experience with the Dutchies in a road bike. So they came to San Diego to train. I think it was like, what, 2017, maybe? I and think 2017, yeah. 2016 yeah. or 2017. Something like that, yeah. So I've been doing some road bikes with Rob, Robert up with him. And then he's like, oh, the Dutchies are in town. Like, go join them for road bikes. Like, I talked to Bass, so you can go join them, whatever. So I went out and joined the very first road bike ride. They went for a pretty long ride, but I was like, I need to hold my own here. I don't want to like look like this, this like <laughs> guy who just sucks on the bike. I don't want to be bad. So everyone takes their turn at the front. You kind of cycle through. The guy was I, fucking cramping up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I like I took my turn at the front and I gassed it. I was like, I'm gonna tow these guys. We're gonna go. For I'm gonna show these guys how good I am. I'm gonna show them. <laughs> we get to the furthest point away possible, and we turn around, and I'm just like. Oh no, my quads start cramping on me. I'm like, I'm screwed. Like we're as far out as we possibly could be. And I'm cramping up. I've got one water bottle left and it's like one of those small water bottles. And we start going back and I'm just trying to draft and just suck in as much oxygen, oxygen as I can, because I was locked up the entire way home. Just hanging on. Just hang. We went up a hill at one point and like, I was struggling to get up the hill and like everybody got to the top and waited for the rest of the group. And I just kept coasting down the, the backside of the hill. Cause I was like, guys, I, I need, I need some space here. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> such a bad feeling. You're halfway through and just, Oh no. Oh, oh no. no. Like, there was at that point, there was nothing I could do. I was it was really rude. so much fun. 
<laughs> I feel like you guys were all just like, oh, no, casual ride, no big deal. And I was there just dying. Yeah, like, did you, yeah, did, we, did you we like got the ride up the plane? So it was just a ride to spin the legs, and he was fucking cramping up. <laughs> I showed up with two water bottles. They showed up with one, and they're making fun of me. Like, Why do you got two water bottles? We're going for a recovery ride. Wasn't wasn't Din James have a bunch of snacks? Didn't they make funny for having a bunch of snacks and stuff too? I think so. I like I would carry around like a granola bar and like trail mix and like like I said two water bottles and they just and like four grab, bananas like, <laughs> and six apples. Just 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 wearing a backpack on the road ride filled with snacks <laughs> <laughs> for just a cozy two hour road ride. Uh, did you did you did yeah, you like the road bike? Cool. Did you like the road bike, Yella? Do you like training on it? Um, at the beginning, at the beginning, not really, but at the end, yeah, I did like it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it helped you at the races or in training uh, or do you think, do you feel like it just helped you in general in training and stuff? It helped me in general for sure. But cause, um, if you do the work on road bike, which is not really specific, if you compare it to the BMX stuff, then it's, if you look at it that way, then it's really boring. But if you look at it the way that it might kind of um, contribute to your BMX racing stuff, then it, that it might work, then it's really fun to do, actually. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Something different, too, right? Yeah. yeah. It mixes it up sometimes. Yeah. I've realized that because obviously I've never been a fan of them. I've always I've done them for a long time now, but I've never been a fan. But it does. <laughs> like, I finally... Done, I think, done them for years, still fucking hate them. Still hate them. <laughs> but it's like... Afro's listening, eh? Oh, he probably is, and he's probably hearing this and going to put them back on my program. And he's just pissed. pumping up the tires on your road bike right now. <laughs> uh, but it's like, it, it is. I think the, the older you get and then the more you kind of just start to realize it's kind of enjoyable to switch it up a little bit. If you have like a group of guys too that you can just have a chat with, it is, it's a kind of enjoyable. True. Yeah. I will I will say in the cold weather and the rain, like that part's not. But other than that, uh, it's, it can be it- enjoyable. Then it definitely sucks. Yeah, big time. Big speaking time. Of, speaking of Yelly stories, so you saw the photos I posted yesterday, Yelly. So when you raced Cruiser in Paris when you were 13, 14, do you remember picking me up at the finish line like I was a little child after you won? Um, no, not really. Did Dude, I? There's a video. So we come across the line. We're obviously both excited. You won. I got third, whatever. And then we go, <laughs> we go, we go to hug and you pick me up like I'm a little toddler. I got to find the back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry, man. I got to find the video. No, it was good. I got to find the video, though. That'd be hilarious. I didn't see it. That'd be funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, you grew young. You were such a big kid. I think I grew um, about 12 centimeters in one year when I was uh, 12 years or 13 years old. Oh, my wow. God. 12 centimeters in a year? That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's a shit ton. Holy That's crap. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, you're big as a young kid, I remember. Um, I was, yeah. Getting back to your career, we were, we were talking before you came on, but you were one of the most consistent guys. Like you're always in, especially at World Cups, you're always always pretty much at least in the semifinal, battling to be in the main. And you're on a lot of podiums and and won one. How, what uh, what contributed to you being so successful? Do you think and so consistent over the years? Great question, T. That's a good well. Question. First of all, at least I tried to be as consistent as possible. Yeah. But I think that it kind of turns out the way that it turned out is just because I really wanted it. Interesting, yeah. yeah. I was kind of hungry for the racing, and that's what kind of made um, my career 
the way that it turned out to be. And it kind of seemed too, because you were so good, like we were talking about it, but like your gate form was good. You were efficient on the track and you had all the tools. So like if you were pulling, you could, you could obviously do really well. But if, even if you weren't pulling, you had, you had, you had tools to compensate with as well. True. Well, the way I look at it is that my first straight was never really one of the fastest first straight out there compared to the other riders and the really big guns. But I was a more, more of a complete rider, so I could also find my way through the pack on the track. It definitely seemed like that. Like I, I was talking to Tori about some of the races. Obviously, you made some really good moves. For me, the one, one of the ones that stood out was Chula Vista back in like, I want to say it was a 2010 or 20, 2011. Yeah, but 2011, James. Yeah. 11. Yeah. 2011. Yeah. So you made the move in the in the, uh, first in the so semifinal, sick. going under under Nick, took that one, and then was going for the exact same move in the in the final too, and just ended up sliding out. Yeah, it's like yeah. that was a move that it seemed like nobody was going for there. No. Yeah. Oh, that semifinal was stoked. That's where dreams are made. Moves like that. That was that was a nasty. Yeah, that, that was, was so nasty. Yeah, yeah. James has posted that this week because that was so nasty. Yeah, that's going up. I don't think I've ever seen someone do a move like that in that first corner. I think somebody that had some uh, fake um, Instagram account posted it one day. Probably. Yeah, it's probably, probably worth the post. But yeah, but I remember because that turn was just so what fly. Did it's you hard to get traction. Uh, we hey, we have nothing fake over here. <laughs> oh, we're the real deal, baby. Real Re- deal. Real fucking deal. <laughs> dot com, baby. <laughs> um, how was it? Uh, obviously, a, a special moment must have been for you winning Papadel t- two thousand thirteen. Talk us through that weekend a bit. Uh, well, Papadel, of course, was really special to me, but it was even more special. Because I was coming from a bad year the year before with the Olympics. Yeah. And um, I had a big crash um, in Chula uh, a half year before the Olympics. And I was um, still kind of recovering throughout the whole 2012 season from that crash. Yeah. And then I was finally um, feeling a bit better on the bike but it didn't really um, show in the training I was doing back then. So I talked to boss and said that um, that this is not really going to work the way I wanted it. So um, I was trying, um, well, what I was trying to say was that I was going to pull out from BMX in total. Oh, really? Wow. And this was um, at the end of 2012, the beginning of 2013. Jeez. And um, to um, even win a World Cup, um, five, four or five months after I had this um, maybe life-changing decision to make for myself, because it was for me, it was like even or I stop it with BMX or I continue. And that were the only two options, actually. And I chose, of course, I chose for the second one. And then to finally see it pay out the way that it did with the winning World Cup main was amazing. Dude, that's incredible. 
it's crazy to hear because yeah like you, to have that kind of big decision to make and then you go on with with racing and through 2013 you had such an incredible year like yeah. semi-final you go get a, a podium in argentina and then you go win the next world cup like talk about it from a crazy decision to then having one of probably one of your more successful years yeah how'd you, how'd you turn it around well, to be honest, um, that winter, uh, during that winter, we had a camp in um, in California, and we were based in uh, Laguna Beach. Terrible Not place. Really one yeah, of yeah. The terrible place, yeah. <laughs> terrible place to be in. <laughs> but um, and we were doing a sprint session on a um, parking lot next to the beach. And I was talking to Boss about how I wanted um, this training to be uh, going as good as possible, but it wasn't really going that way. So I was talking to Boss about ending my career. And then he um, gave me some stuff to think about. And one of the sentences that he said that, that stayed on my mind was, Jelly, please look back and look at the sun that's dropping in the ocean and then look look the other way around and see the spot where we are training at. And this kind of made me feel like, um, okay, let's make one thing clear that this is maybe the best job to do in the world at this point. Mm, it's pretty cool um, and, yeah and, and that's when when i kind of realized that i would never give up bmx and it's crazy how like something can be put into perspective that like, just like that yeah it's, it kind of just completely yeah. changes your outlook that quickly it's easy like yeah. when you're when you're in it to get really frustrated and kind of just it's hard sometimes to take a step back but it's important in those moments to take a step back and look at it kind of objectively in this case it was taking two steps back and then look at it objectively yeah Dude, that's awesome. What what a turnaround. What yeah. a turnaround. That was definitely a turnaround, yeah. How motivated were you after that, after you kind of were able to take that in and kind of realize, like, this is what I'm going to be doing now again. Like, this is where my focus is at. How motivated were you to make that year as successful as it was? Because you must have been, like, firing I, I all was, cylinders. I was as motivated as Tori does when he shows up to Starbucks. <laughs> That's fucking motivated. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Let's give me a um, a double espresso with three extra espresso shots. Let's go, please. baby. Let's go, baby. <laughs> fill it go. up. Just fill up the tank. <laughs> People should hear Tori's coffee order. I remember in Alberta. What was your coffee order in Alberta, Terry? When you're doing like a? Oh, uh, they couldn't get it right. It's not even that complicated. I wanted basically something between two shots of espresso and an Americano. I basically wanted two shot, two long shots of espresso, and they just didn't get it. Two long shots? What the fuck is that? It's basically like two shots of espresso with a little bit of hot water. So it's not like they fill it with hot. So I don't want to full. Of, I don't know why this is so difficult. I don't know why this is so difficult to explain to people. I don't want the full Americano because there's too much water, hot, hot water, and I like a stronger coffee flavor, but I don't want just the two shots of espresso because it's too strong. I want something in the middle. Because you're a pussy. Yeah, yeah. So I basically just have to hand them a novel every time, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Every time I order. Just yeah, yeah. Read, this, read this book. Yeah, yeah. Read this book and get my order ready in 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah 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 for sure yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah for sure <laughs> um yeah so going into Pompano that year like circling back what was your did do you feel like you could win or did how'd you feel going into that weekend uh, well, that specific weekend, I was feeling really strong. So I definitely had the feeling that I could win. Um, and um, I tried to um, get myself uh, through the, um, the qualification rounds. And then when um, I made it up to the semi, I knew that I had to save some energy. And then I was ready to... Uh, be in the main and to um, to show and prove myself that I was still capable of doing this. Yeah, it clearly did. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. Do you guys, when, when the race is at home like that, do you guys do anything different than you would at races when you're, when you're away? Like do you guys anything, any warm up differently because you have access to your new gym there and everything? Um, well, not really in that way, but um, since we know the track that uh, I knew um, from back in the day that because I knew the track so well that I um, compared to other World Cup events, I um, spent less time on the track because I already knew the track. Yeah, yeah. So I could spend more time um, in my warm-up leading towards the racing. That's interesting. I always thought about that. But yeah, because you're right. Yeah, you guys know the track like the back of your hand. You were right there all the yeah. time. Yeah. So you kind of have more opportunity to get more stimulated in other ways versus trying to make yourself, make sure you're dialed with the track. And you're just, exactly. mis- you're just Mr. Poppendal too because you won one. I think you had a couple podiums too. Well, I think I um, lost that title to somebody else. <laughs> But I tried my best every year, yeah. But Nick was still Nick was still a baby when that was happening. Let's be real. <laughs> Nick is still a baby these days. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. Hopefully he is. Oh yeah. Oh um, definitely. He's a fan. Let's talk about your uh your Olympic experiences. So yeah, they're obviously quite a bit different because like you said, twenty twelve was pretty tough because you're coming back a you know, career, career changing injury really in 2012. Yeah. What was the injury? What, what were the injuries you had in Shula and how obviously you touched on it, but how was that coming into the Olympics after something like that? Well, um, of course I, cause I spent three days in a seduced coma, um, cause of all the stuff that was wrong going inside my body, mm-hmm. organic wise and stuff like that. I also had um, um, a lung issue. I had um, one collapsed lung and one bruised lung. And that was, during that period, it was really hard to even be able to breathe. So um, I think I kind of underestimated it because I think that uh, this part, because of the fact that I underestimated it, um, took longer to recover than what it was um, than what was needed. For example, 
So I think that it it would at the end it probably cost me something like um, Chula was at the end of March, and the Olympics were in the beginning of August. So that is about um, five months. Mm-hmm. And um, normally, I would say that an injury like this would take uh, people to recover fully recover something like. Um, between five to 10 months. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I will fix this in, let's say two or three months and then I'll be good to go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's of course a stupid way to think. Yeah. But of course, as a racer and athlete and stuff, you're so motivated that of course that's way that's what you have to think too. True. True. So yeah, obviously going to London must've been tough because you're, you're there and you work so hard to get there, but you're not feeling a hundred percent. No. We were motos together in London too. That crashing photo yeah, right? we have is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> you think it's phenomenal? I think it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, both. It's the one where Yelly's on his head and my head's going head first into the ground and Mike Byers on, on top of me. Oh, that's the one. I was trying yeah. to think of which one it was. So it's coming out of the first turn kind of, right? Yeah. Right. Second at, turn. Right after the, uh, right after the S turn. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, what so... Was- Go ahead, James. What was that whole experience like for you? Like, obviously, yes, you weren't as prepared as you would have liked to be there. But what was the experience getting to finally race the Olympics for the first time? What was that? Was what was that like? Well, of course, because um, of the fact that the Olympics were s- such a big thing um, in my uh, BMX career back then, um, I looked up looked up to the Olympics and even to athletes that really compared at the Olympics before. But um, I just realized this when I was actually, when when I first arrived in London, that it's hard to explain. And I think Tori understands this, but um, there's nobody that can tell you how it feels to be um, in the Olympic games and to participate there. Because I knew it was big, but it, it was really, really big. Yeah, at the same, it's like, it's yeah, it's a bit weird. Like, yeah, at first first experience, you're almost a bit starstruck because it's just so, yeah, so big. It's, it's hard to, you can't really explain it, I guess. You can't explain it. Yeah, yeah. It must have been quite the change, though, like looking ahead into 2016, like you... you Coming to that that Olympic Games, you're very well experienced at this point now. Um, talk us through how was the preparation for that one? I know you guys did like a training camp in Florida. It seemed like you guys had a really good prep for, for that Olympics. True. Well, um, I think, for example, um, um, of the people that were on that team, uh, me and Tuan and uh, Laura did already kind of knew what the Olympics were. And so we kind of felt like we were more prepared than four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew what, were, what was coming at us. And um, so we could focus on the things that really matter, which is the BMX specific uh, stuff that we had to do. Yeah. And therefore, we were in Florida, yes. And that was a really good place to stay there. How was it going into the race mentally? You felt good mentally, ready to race, all that, knew how to handle the situation? 
Um, I would say yeah, but to be honest, I st still um, didn't really get uh, the proof that I was in good shape. And I think I um, hope to get this feeling after my time trial run. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was really a big bummer. But then I, the next day when the racing started, I was feeling so strong. And I was just trying to convince myself that, hey, whatever is going to happen, I gave in my best and I gave in my, my best shot. So I need to um, take again two steps back and look at the bigger picture yeah, and see where I was coming from. And while I did that, I started to feel so strong. And that's what I think. If you look at the first three rounds I did there in Rio racing days, I think that kind of shows um, how confident I was about this. It's amazing how just a mental switch like that can can really change things. True. And I think that this is maybe the most underestimated um, specific thing in BMX, which, which is, of course, the mental part. Yeah. It just shows how you're just such a true racer at heart. Like, you're just the type of guy, I feel like, and you've always been where who cares about practice, blah, 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 but it gets to race time and you just, you know how to race. You know how to do it. Yeah, there's there's a switch and yeah. you got to find this switch to turn it on and then it's race time. So we didn't, we didn't race each other in Rio at all, but how did your motos and semifinals go? Well, motos actually were, uh, the first two were really good cause I won both. And then the third was, um, a little bit worse, but it was okay to uh, qualify for the next round. And then in the semi, um, I kind of knew what to, um, how to end up to still be able to um, get through to the main. Mm -hmm. And once I did this, um, I knew that I was going, if I would um, get this result, then I was going to the main. And I was so focused on getting that result so I could get into the main that I kind of lost the track of the whole uh, racing that day. Yeah, it's so in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Were, I've kind of Did you feel the same way? Like I was a bit more nervous before the first round on the first day than I was for the second day. By the time we got to the second day, I was kind of just like, all right, let's do it. Did you feel like that way or what was your feeling like? Mm -hmm. Well... Um, let's make one thing clear. There was only one race in my whole career where I was really nervous. Really? And this was uh, the Olympics in London. And we all know how it turned out. So what is the point of being nervous? Interesting, yeah. I got nervous for every race in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I heard this statement. I just want to share it. And it was that nerves are a privilege. Yeah, it's a good one, yeah. It's true. Yeah, it's a privilege to be able to have, be in that situation where you're nervous for an event or you something like that. You, that's where that's what you train for. Yeah. True, but there's um, 
uh, I think there are two ways to be nervous. There's, of course, a good part and a bad part. Mm -hmm. And I think that the bad part is taking too much control over your way of uh, performing. And this is, of course, not a good thing to get. 100%, yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, think I feel like you're speaking right to me because that's something I feel like I have an issue with is I always want that. I want that result too better. I want this. Like, it, it'll happen. Whatever happens, happens. You're right. Yeah, and everyone, everyone is, deals with that to some aspect. Free consultation. <laughs> it's free consultation, you don't have to James. Pay for anything. Yeah. How how'd you uh, feel going into the final? Um. Well, to be honest, um, I was feeling strong, but um, at some point, I said to myself, "Hey, if you're if you're going out there and you're getting into a spot where you can." Um, have a shot at a medal, then uh, stick to that spot and just go out there and fight fight for yourself. But um, do nothing stupid. And then I made the last move in the last turn, yeah. which is not stupid. I would say that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that That whole final, I feel like it just sums up like your whole style, your career in the sense that, you know, you're a really good starter, I believe. And you had a good start in the final. You have great track speed. You're able to make great moves. And you did that around the track as well. Um, things got really tight. I feel like coming down that second straight, I think you were in between, was it Nick and Carlos? You were in that pinch box, but you stayed right in it down that whole straight. How was that? Do you remember that? I do remember that. And that was really a hot moment. But I think that uh, the most critical part of that whole second straight came um, all together towards the second turn. And that's where I think, at least that's what I believe, that's where I kind of um, settled for a medal because the way that I um, dived from the outside towards the inside of the second turn. So from the left towards the right, mm -hmm. to be on the right side of the third straight and to kind of um, um, stay outside uh, of the carnage and to just uh, try to take so much speed towards the last turn and then we will see what happens, but that was on my mind. Mm -hmm. And I tried to um, um, get the most speed out of the situation and take that with me towards the third straight. And I think that kind of, um, um, how do I say this? I think that um, this part Um, I showed myself that I was capable of doing stuff like this in a um, highly stressed situation, which the Olympics are. Yeah. Um, if that if I was able to do stuff like this in this situation at this time, I could do more, and that's why I kinda 
that's where I kind of collect all the motivation to um, make that last turn move and make the move from the third place to the second place. Badass. That's sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's sick. So good. Yeah, dude, yeah. you race awesome. That must have gave you so much confidence too after after a result like that. Of course it did. Yeah, no doubt. Dude, that's awesome. Oh, that was I cool love, listening, I, yeah. I love hearing the stories about that because yeah. like yeah, a race like that it came together so well for you too. It's just so cool to hear about. Yeah. That's what we all dream of. What was it like <laughs> what was it like going home after that? Uh to be honest, really crazy. Yeah, I bet. Especially Holland. Holland is so big with sports. It is, yeah. Normally, yeah. if you, um, for example, a World Cup main, if you cross that main, if you, if you cross that finish line in the main, then the race ends. But for my feeling, uh, the race in Rio ended two weeks after I came home. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, just because the Olympics is just so big. Yeah. 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 Dude, that's well, awesome. What kind of media stuff did you have to do after that? Was there any like uh, any big media parades or anything you guys had to do? Um, well, we didn't really had to do stuff, but um, got to. We got to do a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I did um, two or three um, uh, live shows back home, and um, I did a couple of interview stuff. And I um, even did uh, a documentary with um, uh, KPN, which is a really big um, phone company branch back home. That's cool. And all kinds of stuff like this. And that was really cool, yeah. Yeah, good experience. And it's important. You got to capitalize on that kind of stuff while you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Did you take any vacation after that? Or what did you do after that? Did you go to Rock Hill? I feel like you went to Florida, didn't you? Or no? I went to Florida. And yeah, I, yeah. I went to Rock Hill, yeah. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. I think I took off like maybe um, something like 10 days. <laughs> classic BMX. <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic BMX. Yeah, got to gotta get back on the box sprints for Rock Hill in a few weeks, baby. <laughs> <laughs> our sport is so different like other other sports will take off like six months or something we're just like yeah we i got sprints next week we got we got rock hill in a few weeks <laughs> <laughs> i think that's so cool about our sport too though like we just it's just like that yeah well people just lo love to do it i think yeah yeah, yeah. and it's it's yeah. like yeah there's there's always so many races and so much different stuff you can do i think we're so lucky compared to other sports yeah um so one of those random questions I had that I was like asking, but when I got to know you on the Dutch team, you were kind of one of the older riders. So were there any of the younger riders that really got, got on your nerves or annoyed you? Uh, let's take two steps back in this case. And when was it? What year? Oh, is there a different person every year? Um, well, <laughs> not really, but of course there are some persons that kind of <laughs> irritated me throughout the, my career. But um, let's be specific and let's talk about years instead of people. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like? Right, uh, what was it like at that point then being a veteran on the team and having younger guys come on? Um, well, 
in my um, opinion, I was never a veteran, but um, as far as you guys call me a veteran, um, I think I kind of know that we're talking about at the end of um, 2016 towards 2017. I think in that period, we you, you can call me a veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Because um, um, I think it's good for the sport in general that young people are coming up and making the steps that you took in the past and to see them evolve like um, from um, coming off junior classes towards elite classes and really step it up. Yeah, and I think it's probably... The fact that you're Olympic silver medalist, especially last year or so you were on the team and race and stuff, is probably really cool for especially the younger riders to have an Olympic silver medalist on their team and see you know, the stuff that you do. And it probably makes that, that dream more realistic for them to see someone close to them that has accomplished that. Maybe, but you got to ask them if to, be no, to know. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, what, else, what else we got, James? What else, what else can we ask you about? Um, I want to, let, let me ask you about your gait form a little bit. Yeah, I, I've, I told Tori that sometimes when I'm with Robert, he has a couple of your gates from training camps that uh, when he's trying to tell me about to do something here or do something there with my body, he often shows me your gait form because it's really clean. Um, where did you develop your gait form from? Was it just working with Boss or was, uh, was that something that was just kind of always natural to you? Well, um, let's put it this way. I think that um, it is something that um, I kind kind of naturally developed throughout the years, but to really, um, I would say the especially the last two or three years, uh, this was definitely an influence of Boss, because he really uh, developed me physical wise. Mm-hmm. So I was able to um, to do what he was asking me to do because the way I look at it, um, of course, um, a lot of guys in the BMX scene know how to um, to get that perfect start form and to really um, get your gates going. But uh, I think that it's um, a combination of um, um, delivering what the coach is asking you to do. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, work on the things that need to be done to get that gate going. Yeah, okay. and maximizing your, your specific body type and everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What, were, what was your mental side like before race when you're in the gate? Um, were you someone that really felt like you needed to amp yourself up and get excited? Or was it some, were you someone that kind of need to stay, stay calm in the gate so you could kind of just come out fluid and whatnot? Well, to be honest, I really hated when people were so fucking enthusiastic <laughs> and so hyped up <laughs> that so much ignored me. <laughs> So I tried to stay calm and just to um, do what I need to do and just focus on that. Yeah, I think it's the best way. 
It's always funny when you're behind the gate and like I've been someone that tries to stay pretty calm, relaxed, and you got somebody beside you that's just doing all the jumps, all the leg kicks, just clapping their hands, <laughs> pumping their arms a little bit, yeah, clapping their hands, and you're just you're just sitting there. Even so on the gates, like Sylvan Andre. I don't see like yeah, there's, I don't see that working. The BMX, like the gate, is so finesse. You have to be so calm and focused. I don't see how that would work. I I wouldn't be able to do that. I think that if people do it, it's just to get you out of your concentration just to ignore you. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. It's a good little mind game to, to play with people. Yeah. Not a lot of people play mind games. I feel no, like anymore. not really. No, no one really no. does. No, no, not, not these days anymore. Waste of time. Did you ever, did you ever play my, like try to play mind games with anybody beside you or do anything to try to get in somebody's head? I tried it. Yes, but it didn't really work out. <laughs> what'd, but you, I tried what'd you, sure. what'd you try? <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> let's put it this way. When you're up on the gates and um, the announcer pronounces your name or announces your name, then, of course, uh, people um, clap their hands or um, clap on their body or their helmets mm -hmm. to really get hyped up. And sometimes... You kind of what you try to do to get them out of their comfort zone is to either um, clap before the announcer um, has speaking out your fully name. So let's say Tori Nyog. So, so let's say right after Tori, you start to clap your legs. And then he's kind of like, what the fuck is going on? It's my name, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, like so, that's so funny uh yeah like, you know you, so you should have been old school and just gone in front of the gate and just be like i'm gonna cut you off i'm gonna cut you off <laughs> <laughs> i always hear stories of guys doing that back in the day i would love to see someone do that right now or like it like in today's day and age can you imagine that'd be hilarious i can't imagine well, what, i can't imagine people doing it no i know what i think is hilarious is that people um out of, out of protest, uh, put their uh, front wheel over the starting gate. Yeah. And then start their protest. What it was, I don't know. But, um, for example, they just sit down on the starting hill. And then they waited till the commissaire came to them to ask them what's going on, why they're not racing. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel that that stuff like this doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, not not that often now. No, not that often. Um, well, we got a bunch of uh, quick shot fan questions. Want to get into those, James? Yeah, we can get into the, uh, the 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 quick shot question segment brought to you by LSKD. Use C Chatter ten guys, ten percent discount. Brought to you by LSKD. Yelly, have you heard of LSKD, the clothing company? I haven't heard about it, but I have seen about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're they're really good. They're really, really good clothes. The size is um, t-shirt size L, and the size of shorts is probably around M these days. Oh, for you, yeah. For <laughs> LSKD. <laughs> Let them know. Let them know. I got the size. I got the medium shorts. I think I need to be a large. It's showing a little more quad than I'm used to. I'm not used to that much exposure. You let them out and breathe, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, go for it, James. All right. Uh, from, we'll go from Sylvan Andre. 
He just wants to know, how were you that fast at the Olympic Games in 2016? Because he was fast. Because he worked um, out. Well, um, that's because I um, watched a lot of videos about Christophe Levesque and Thomas Ayer back in the day. And these guys were such a, such a big example for me that I just think that I tried to copy what they were doing back in the day. And because they always eat um, uh, French croissants with uh, chocolat du pain in between races. A little pain of chocolat never killed anyone. <laughs> um, Chipotle or In-N-Out? Um, well, the athlete in me would say in and out. Uh, I mean, um, Chipotle, but the person inside me would say in and out. Yeah, in, in and out is pretty, pretty good. Man, that's, in, that's, in like, that's the right answer. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. There's two answers. You, you, you chose the right one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, from Ellie Shaw, would you pick gate four again in the Olympic final if you could go back and pick again? Um, well, I think that um, um, the options more on the inside were already taken. So mm. it was either um, gate four or more towards the outside. So I would definitely pick gate four again. Yeah. We were beside each other in the Olympic final. How about that? True. <laughs> um, from Schmidt. Were you nervous? What? Was I nervous? Yeah. Not really, no. No, I was kind of just more like, let's just let's just race as hard as I can, battle to the end, and whatever happens, just be proud of what you've done and just go for it. Kind of similar, similar mindset to you had, yeah. I mean, what else yeah. you get? What else are you gonna think at that point? You've done all the work. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I hold up, Yelly with Tori beside you. Did you think you were gonna cut him off, or Tori with, with Yelly beside you? Did you think you were gonna cut Yelly off? To be honest, my well, gates were my gates were pretty bad the whole weekend, so I was just kind of I was just going for it. I didn't really, I, I actually didn't give it a ton of thought who was beside me at that point. To be honest, I get, honestly, everyone's fast in that main. It doesn't really matter. So yeah. To be honest, James, um, I was more focused on um, um, the outside gate from corner and the inside gate from Sam. Yeah. Then I was focused on Tori. Yeah. yeah fair. At that point, I mean, you just focus on yourself and go. It's exactly. yeah. Yeah. Um, from Schmidt nine uh, nine nine four. What gearing? What what gearing was he using at the Olympics? Looked huge. Yeah, you were always a big gear guy, weren't you? I was. Yeah. I think I was. I was using um, uh, fifty eighteen. With, fifty in the front and eighteen in the back. Yeah, that's what I used too. What what cranks did you use? I think I was on uh, 175. Yeah, that's the setup I had too, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking about gear. Yeah, that's a, yeah sounds about right. Yeah. Um, this question was a little confusing, but it's for um, Kogus BMX Club. What do you think are the key factors for the progressive performance on the Dutch team? So what makes it, I don't know what they're trying Basically to Basically, like, what, yeah, probably like what is what makes it successful, I would guess, probably. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I would say, um, the way that, um, boss set things up back in the day, kind of, um, took some time to really, um, get paid off. And I think that it paid off 
he set it up in uh, the beginning of 2005-2006. So I would say that it would kind of paid off 10 years later, which was about 2015-2016. What was what was your favorite? What was your favorite uh, thing to do in training? What was your least favorite thing to do? my least favorite thing to do was um, any road bike stuff in the winter time. <laughs> and my um, one of my favorite things to do in training was um, probably something like gym work, max week gym work. Yeah, that's a, that's uh, that was fun too. You just get super hyped to just go for it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Did you have any superstitions? Um, not really. Yeah, you don't seem like a superstitious guy. No, I didn't take yeah. your point either. Yeah, he no. doesn't yeah. seem like a superstitious guy. Um, oh, I just well, had... there's maybe, maybe there's one thing. Okay. And probably nobody knows this, but I always, when once in main time, I always stepped. Um, if there was a stair behind the starting hill, I always started the stairs with my left feet in front. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I I always did kind of stuff like that too. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite stop on the World Cup tour, and what was your least favorite? Um, my favorite stop. Um, yeah, like favorite track, whatever. Yeah. Probably must be Papendal then. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Besides Papendal. Besides Papendal. Um, I really like the atmosphere in uh, Argentina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also liked um, from uh, one of my first um, World Cups back in the day. So this is um, in 2009 in Fred Juice, France. I was like that one. That one was super cool. Yeah, that was that was really sick. Yeah, because it was part of that festival too. So there was always a good crowd and just racing in France is always cool and yeah, beautiful area. It was called Rock d'Azur, right? Rock d'Azur, yeah. Yeah. That was cool. That one and Copenhagen, two tracks I dream of racing Dude, again in my life and Cop- I never get to. Copenhagen was a cool World Cup, too. I like that one. Copenhagen was good, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, that was really cool. I miss going there. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer racing Supercross hills or regular start hills? Um, I would say... Um, when the transition came from um, going from a normal hill towards a supercross hill, definitely a supercross hill. But I think um, more towards the end of my career, I also liked um, more and more getting off the normal hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's common. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty common. Um, yeah. Favorite. I think that uh, specific, uh, specific wise, uh, physical, um, it just asks more from a normal hill than from a super hill, I believe. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, favorite Netflix show? Um, Casa di Papo. Oh, is that is that Money Heist? Is that the one where they're robbing the bank? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's that. That's the. That's the actual name, but they call it, it's Money Heist in North America. That, okay. sh- <laughs> that show is so good. I think it's um, it's kind of like um, a Spanish. Um, yeah. Yeah language influence yeah that show is so good yeah that's i watched that uh earlier this year that's that's one of my favorite series too yeah really good i just i just finished uh watching suit so i might have to might have to give that a watch please how did you finish like the whole series is it done the whole the whole series to yeah number 10 season nine i think actually so yeah good ending how many seasons are there after rachel leaves um two two or three okay yeah okay it's what I, I think it that this is maybe not really a um, Netflix series, but I feel that um, uh, back in the day, so this was probably uh, before Netflix was even a thing. <laughs> I think um, I really enjoyed watching the show uh, called 24. Yeah, 20, that's a good show. I watched a bit of it, yeah. With Jack Bauer. Yeah, yeah. James, you ever watch it? No, I don't think I ever did. I was just trying to. It's think about like an anti-terrorist group, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then the whole the whole the whole season is twenty four hours, so every episode's an hour, like in real time. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, it's kind of yeah. it's cool the way they do it. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I have to look this one the up. setup was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool setup. Yeah. yeah. Um. Next one here. Uh, what's your favorite sport outside of BMX? Um either to watch or to play yourself mm, either or both um to watch um i would say um beach volleyball and then okay. the women the yeah I was, gonna say, I was gonna say the women's <laughs> side <yeah. laughs> uh no to be honest um since i'm dutch i have to say soccer Fair. Are you are you an F one fan? Not really. No. No. You're the one guy no. in Holland who doesn't follow Verstappen. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's put it this way: if it's on television, then I'll watch it, but right. I won't stay. I won't stay at home for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, I guess you've already done it, but um, would you rather win, say, an Olympic silver or bronze medal, or a world championship? Mm, well, I cannot um, talk about winning a gold medal at the Worlds, but um, I think that because um, I kind of knew um, from experience that what an impact an Olympic medal has, mm-hmm. I would say an Olympic medal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, next one for me. If if you could build your dream track out of straightaways from other tracks, take pieces from other other races of the tracks, what would your dream track look like? Um, first straight like um, Chula Beijing replica, like the old one we raced. Gold one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, second straight, um, the one. Um, I raced on at Papadal 2013. Yep. Um, that, was, that was still a crossover one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Um, I would say um, a third straight like Copenhagen. 
Oh yeah, that's a cool one. Yeah, we kind of had like a mock one like that at home. It was good. I like that. Mm. And last rate is um, I don't give a shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just get me home, baby. Just get me home. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the last race uh, yeah. on any kind of track is way too long. <laughs> Be like Papano's last race with the steep little backsides. Those are mean. They are. All right, I'm out of quick shots, James. You get some more. I gonna do another one. Uh, would you rather? Would you rather do a full lap on a supercross track with a high seat post in, or do a full tra- full lap butt naked? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's our most important question we ask everyone. This is this is one of my favorites, just because it's hilarious. Two terrible options. How much time do I have to answer this question? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to, we don't have time to break it down on this one. <laughs> I sorry. What time is this show going to be broadcasted um, on the web tomorrow? Uh, we'll post it. To, it's Tuesday now, so we'll post it tonight. So yeah, when you wake up Wednesday, it'll be ready. Okay. But you'll post it tonight for um, U.S. time, guys. Yeah, I'll post it tonight. We'll post about it when we post about it Wednesday morning. Yeah. Well, then I wouldn't say um, the butt naked one because that's maybe too <laughs> sexual. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to be honest. To be on a supercross track, one lap with a high seat post is not really an option. No, it's not. Yeah, not I, that's not an option. You really, you really couldn't make it around. I don't think. No, you, just, no, no, you, think so. you wouldn't make it. No. All right, Yella, we really appreciate you coming on, buddy. It was good to talk to you and catch up and talk to your talk about your career. Uh, I miss seeing you, buddy. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah, I miss seeing you. Maybe uh, next time we come to Poppendal, let's meet up. Let's do that for sure. But um, let's hope that the next time at Papendal will be the world's next year if the COVID stuff um, doesn't take take these chances away from us. Yeah, I hope so. It'd be, it'd be good to see you and good to be back in Holland again. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, gl- I agree. Glad you're doing well, buddy. Take care and thanks thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Take care, guys. Thanks so much, Yelly. See you, buddy. See you soon, hopefully. Thanks. Take care. Later. Later. Yelly Van Gorkum, everybody. How about that? What an interview. Yeah, good to talk. Man, I hadn't, I hadn't actually talked to him in a long time besides some texts and stuff. It was uh, really good to chat to him. I think it was, it was great to hear from him. I haven't talked to him for a while either. And I love how, the, as much as we're just, you know, sharing his story to other people, it gives us a chance just to connect and catch up and talk about shit. Yeah, no kidding. And like we like we talked about too, he had, he had an outstanding career. He... He really accomplished a ton in his in his BMX career. Yeah, it's insane. Like just looking at those stats, the amount of quarterfinals. I would arguably like there's it's gotta be one of the most consistent guys out there, arguably. Like that many quarterfinals, that many semi semifinals. It's insane. Yeah, like a lot of guys have really good results and then get motoed and stuff. He never really got motoed. He was kind of always like he was always pretty much top sixteen. Oh yeah, totally, hey. Um crazy to hear about that story about him kind of making that realization after 2012 going into 2013 that he's like that boss was able to help him kind of realize where he was in life and what he wanted to do and that he took on bmx full on again and he wanted to do that again and it showed how well he did in 2013 when he like he made a semi-final i think 
two finals and another semifinal. Like that's so impressive. Fucking one popping doll like five months later. Yeah. That's insane. Hey, so cool. Um, so cool. It's crazy too. Cause, uh, like from the outside, no one would know that was happening and no one knows looking at pros from the outside, what's going on. But I think everybody goes through that point or multiple times, but when you feel like you want to retire or stop or quit because it's just not working or you had a big injury or whatever, but nobody knows except you and your kind of inner circle. hundred, hundred percent. Sometimes even the inner circle doesn't know because there's yeah. so many thoughts going through your head when like with that kind of situation, I'm sure like, yeah, you're right. Nobody really knows about it. Like no. I think even myself, like even in these hard years, like I've, I've not about to that extent whatsoever, but I've gone through things that nobody knows about. And for him to have that one inside, like that's a big thing to hold in. And then, to kind of have somebody else as boss was that one to talk about it with and realize things like that's, it's huge. Yeah. Like athletes are complicated people and every, we all, we've all, we all go through that. It's uh yeah, it's not just like every, you're just, you don't just wake up super motivated every day. And I think, I think kids might think that the pros do, but they don't like there's times when the pros want the best riders in the world want to quit or want to retire because they scared or got hurt or just feel like they lost it or don't have it anymore or, or aren't motivated. Like everyone, everyone goes through that. Even, even the best riders in the world. Yeah. How many people out there do you think think that just like they see us athletes or people out there and they're just like, that person's got it all figured out. They just love what they do. Everything's easy going when really it's, it's really not. <laughs> no, I, I know. I mean, I've, everyone's thought that, I think. But yeah. I think especially people who are a bit on the outside. Yeah, but it's really not like that. It just it seems yeah. like that from the outside, especially with whatever social media and everything. Mm hmm. But. Yeah, you never really see that though, because it's not something you want to sh like. You're not going to show that outside of like on social media. People don't really are interested in seeing that, and it's kind of weird to put that image out there when you're still trying to compete and represent companies and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I just I don't know if it was awkward or not, but I just paused, and it was because was, in my headphones I just heard low battery, and it like dinged, it, <laughs> dinged a couple times, and it went silent, and I was like, I didn't know if we were still if the call was still going on or what, and then and then it came back on, and you were talking, so I was like. <laughs> It might, just, it might just come across as normal. That's one of those classic podcast moments where it's like, we always have these janky moments where something goes wrong. And it's like, if it does, we just try to play it off super cool. I thought you just froze. And I was like, <laughs> play it off cool. Play I know, off that cool. was super cool. There's there, there's a lot of moving parts to the show. And there's a lot of like things that have to be charged and plugged in and fucking go. It's, it's not like a super easy thing to do. <laughs> oh, so true. I should give you an update now. You need to charge the uh, next week. You need to charge the live show phone. Like oh, the day of. thank you. Because if you you can't just do it, the, yeah. But I'll, we'll we'll update you. We'll get it. Yeah, because how is how the fuck's Roger gonna phone in then? Exactly, Roger can't. We have we yeah. Because we're talking about a big contract. I know. Um, yeah. In other news, I got big news coming out next week. I'm gonna be, re be releasing big news. No shit, hey. I got a big surprise. Big news coming out next week. Um, yeah, I'm excited to share it. So stay tuned, peeps. Cool. You got me excited now. Can we get a hint? <laughs> um, it's. It has to do with my TN training tip post on Instagram. Awesome. All right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to helping a lot of other riders and, you know, helping a lot of other riders improve, I would say. So that's, that's, that's the surprise we'll give. I'll be releasing it next week. Awesome. I can't wait for it. Yeah. I have my guests, so I can't wait to hear about yeah. it more. I'm really stoked. So yeah, it'll be cool. Um, yeah. I have, you know what? This is our last show of this year. I've had such a good time doing the show this year. We had some truly outstanding interviews and shows this year. 
It's incredible. I think we kind of, we touched on every once in a while, like, oh, which show do you like best? Which moment? What, what do you remember? Man, we had some bangers this yeah. year. We had some outstanding guests. We really did. I'm glad we got to do the live shows this year as well. The live shows have been really fun. I think really enjoyable for us to do as well, too. I think so. I think hopefully everyone else has liked it, too. It's been a little bit different. The live aspect is something we've always wanted to do and to finally make it happen somewhat. Um, even if it's a little bit janky, I think it's awesome. I enjoy it a lot. And having the different styles shows, too, having some variety in what we're doing. You know, we're all about progression over here at Coffee Chatter Industries. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are, baby. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, we, I liked a lot of our guests this year, but who is, did you have a favorite that stood out to you or one that you really liked that we did? So I, I want to make sure, I'm kind of scrolling through to make sure it was actually this year, which I believe it was. I always wanted to hear more of Corbin's story. And yeah. we got to talk to Corbin. And that was that was interesting to me. That was really fun to do. Yeah, that was one of my favorites from this year too. Um, just because like we've known each other since we were kids and raced each other our whole life, but I don't really know him, so it was really cool to get to know him and his story more. So that was, I thought that was a really special one and a really cool one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other ones? That one was I cool. Mean, I just we could Saf- we could say something cool from like each one. But I yeah. know. Um, Safiso, Safiso was this year, wasn't he? Yeah. Safiso yeah. Was in there. That one, I thought that one was really cool too. It's always cool to hear from these guys who are such like superstars in our sport that are, you don't really hear from once they're gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. See, and Safiso has got a pretty cool story. Yeah. Uh, that one was really, I thought that one was really cool too. Dude. I mean, when you, when you can get a sound drop like we did, that's seriously. Time. Those, those <laughs> ones seem like they were a different year now. It's weird. Dude, it's just so weird. Can you remember that we did Denzel earlier this year? Like, oh, yeah, I totally like, forgot about Denzel's. Yeah. The amount of people we did earlier this year is, is crazy. Or when we were doing like the World Cup previews, boy, doesn't that feel like a long ass time ago? I don't even remember like doing them. It's like we, we haven't had any races to do any previews for. And he put, we had one, like we had grants that we were able to do a preview in a post race, like one. Yeah. Crazy. And we're getting really close to 200,000 downloads. I think after the next show or two, we're probably there. It's going to be super exciting. 200,000 200, downloads. Holy Two, shit. 200K. A lot of a lot of people listening. So thanks to everybody. Dude. Uh, more sponsors coming on board. So thanks to them. Like, it's been great. What if we get, what about the day we get to 1 million? That's so hard to fathom, but we, we'll get there we're, eventually. Oh, yeah. We're going to get there. It'll come. It's going to come. It's going to come quicker than we think it is. Too, A million right? downloads. Like, if someone, even if 200,000, like if someone told us at the beginning of last year that we'd be at, 200,000 downloads like that just seems insane remember the remember when before we started we were like we were really nervous for the first episode we were like if we can get like a couple hundred people to listen to it that'd be really cool dude i had no idea if we were gonna get like 50 or 100 i i had i think i think like we were talking about this i was like if we get like 150 i was like that would be pretty good yeah. i'm pretty sure we got like 150 in the first like, like hour maybe yeah it was awesome <laughs> i know that was so cool. Yeah, that was that's crazy. Like, yeah, and now, yeah, just wow. Thanks to everyone for listening. It's been, it's crazy that we've had it for two years already. It's gone by pretty fast. Honestly, it really has. Yeah, we're well, we're, we're getting we're getting too many emotional moments. I've had so many emotional moments in the past twenty four hours, Tori. It's really hard <laughs> to take in. Okay, I guess it'll it'll be I guess two years in like February end of January February something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, February I think. Yeah, February. But it'd be cool to do like a, I just thought it'd be cool to do like a year preview show, but we don't even know when, where the races are. 
<laughs> not really. So, eh? <laughs> not really. We'll do a Phoenix. We'll do a Phoenix preview. Well, we could do that. Uh, right? We could do a Phoenix preview. I guess. Yeah, we, we could do a Phoenix preview. That'd be fun. Is Phoenix? Wait, is Phoenix next week? Phoenix is yeah, not this weekend. Next weekend. It's uh, so early this year. It's oh crazy. yeah, we got the radio show next week. Yeah. Um, so Tyler has his pro am going on Friday at his track. Yeah. The San New San Diego track. It's January first, which is bitching. I have a feeling like. I know nobody really cares that much, but I have a feeling I'm going to get roped into doing it. I haven't ridden my bike since Grant's, or I haven't ridden a track since Grant's. <laughs> That'll be special, eh? Just strong, oh just strong as shit and rusty on the bike. <laughs> like, haven't done, <laughs> seriously, haven't ridden, haven't done a gate for so long. I have a feeling I'm going to show up there because the track's open that day. I have a track session to do. They're going to be like, oh, just sign up, do the race. I'm going to be like, oh boy. It's funny those times, like you, you feel super strong from just doing gym for whatever months. And yep. whatever, and then you get, you get on the track and you feel super strong, but a little like uncoordinated. <laughs> and the timing's off on the jumps everywhere. A little off balance here and there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think regardless, though, that'd be fun to hang out and cool race and whatever. Tyler does a really good job with those. So cool how in the ad, he was able to put that together in like a day. It sounds like really really quickly. So yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, little Kearney Moto Park. That's where me and uh, Connor met as kids and became friends at Super Camp. I no shit. Hey. Yeah, in like two thousand like. I want to say like 2001 or something. <laughs> so we, were, we were so young, yeah. That's so cool. It's cool to think about. I know. I know. It seems like really a, cool literally seems about. like a different life, yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, thanks to uh, LSKD for uh, supporting us this show and for coming on and sponsoring the uh, Quick Shot Question segment. Dude, like I said, I can't wait for until my clothes comes out of the wash so I can wear the, the stuff again. I'm about to toss on the rep shorts now and uh, go to some sprint session, get a little tan on my thighs. It's going to be like wearing underwear out there. I'm not even going to feel like I'm wearing shorts. They're just so loose. And, I, like, I, might, I might just put on the long sleeve too. The long, long sleeve is pretty sick. I haven't tried it out yet. Yeah, it's so good. I love it. Love it. Thanks to, uh, thanks to ProGate Europe, Terry. Yelly starts with a great gate and he wins a lot in his ProGate Europe. Remember, kids, winning starts with a great gate. He's, he's got one of my... I like his gate. I'm a big fan of Yelly Gates and winning Death Star with a great gate. So thanks to them. Thanks to Yelly for coming on. Good to hear from him too. Awesome. Awesome to hear from him. Great right. job to you, Terry. You did a great job. Thanks, pal. As well as same as you. And happy new year, everybody. Last show 2020. Happy new year. Hope you bring in the new year happy and healthy with your family. Amen to that. Stay safe. All right. We'll see you in 2021. Hey, I won't, I won't, we, won't, we won't see you on here until next year. <laughs> <laughs> We want to see you here until next year, everyone. Oh, yeah. See you guys next year. So long. Snap on, snap on green, kids. <laughs> snap on green. Yeah, well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter? Get off my back, guys. <laughs> you have to be fast in the truck. I hate that guy. <laughs>